Thanks so much for listening. We have a very special message from Pastor Desiree as we celebrate Mother's Day at Engage. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped that I get to be here with you. And I just want to say again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. You all are wonderful. You're wonderful and you deserve to be honored this morning or this afternoon, I guess now. And I just want to say it doesn't matter where you are in your journey of motherhood, whether you are expecting or you've just had a baby or you're going through the throes of toddlerhood or you have kids that are all grown up now and they're moving on and graduating and all those things. Or, and I want to add this too, if you have um, babies or children that are no longer with us, we see you. You have the heart of a mama. You're all beautiful. And we honor you today. So we're happy you're here. I'm happy you're here to join us. And I'm excited that I get to uh, be here with you. I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. God, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this home. I thank you for everyone who's here today. I thank you that we get to do this, that we get to come together every week, and we get to worship, and we get to be together, and we get to hear what you have to say to us, because it doesn't matter who's standing up on this platform. It's, it, it's all about you, and it's about your word, and what you have for us, and what you want to say. So with that being said, God, I just ask that you would speak through me, that it would be very clearly your words and your heart, and not mine, that it would be all you today, that you would encourage, that you would um, stir our hearts, that you would uh, shed light in new ways, and that you would just move in every heart and mind here today. So we thank you, we honor you, and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, okay, you all got to help me out today because Brett's Mother's Day gift to me was to have me preach three services and this is number three, and I'm in need of all the coffee and all the, like, love and like, feedback here. Like, please don't hesitate to, like, be loud and shut me down because the, the 9.30 was okay. The 11 was a little bit quiet. So, you know, like, just up it, please. It would help, it would help me out greatly. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you or your phone, iPad, app, whatever you've got, though I would encourage you to bring your Bible, it's a beautiful thing, but whatever you've got this, this afternoon, if you would pick up uh, and head to Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. When you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. You're fast. You knew where I was going. All right. Exodus 1, 15. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. Midwives, yes, we are going there today because it's Mother's Day, and I can talk about midwives and birth and all those things, and I can make all the men squirm, and it feels real good. So just roll with me here. Okay. The king of Egypt gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. Shifran Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, you can let her live. 
But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders, and they allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Everybody say, uh-oh. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly, so quickly, praise God, that we cannot get there in time. (laughs) So, honestly, so God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Whew. That's a lot right there. I don't know about you, but if I was in that situation, if I was asked by the king in in that time to do what he asked those midwives to do, I'd be terrified. That is a decision that I would not want to have to make. I would not have to want to make that decision. We are faced with decisions and choices every day. Now, they might not be as big and and drastic as what we're talking about here, but we still are faced with choices. We still have to answer questions. We still have to make decisions every day. And... You know, my kids, I have have two boys, Everett and Kingston. They're four and six years old. And they are in this phase of life, God help me, where every day feels like a game of a million and one questions, how can I stump mommy? Every single day. And I feel like I always have to have the answer. I want to have the answer. I want to know how to answer my kids' questions. I want to know what to say to them. I want to know how to help steer and direct them. I want to, you know, I want to have the answer. I feel this weight, this responsibility to answer them, to have the answer to all the questions. Now, because Brett has been doing this for a long time, um, I was reminded the other day that I have 15 years worth of ammo that I now have the opportunity to share because he decides to talk about me every single time he's up here. And normally I'm not even in the room to like defend myself. So here we go. Now it's my turn. Um, (laughs) It's my turn. So at our house, my husband purchased a Google Home. (laughs) He's very proud of his Google Home. And we have a love-hate relationship with this Google Home. He loves it. I hate it. Um, I don't understand the fascination and the, the I, I just don't, I don't get it. I'm not as obsessed as he is with asking Google all the questions all the time. Like, it's just not, like, nonstop. He just always wants to ask Google all the questions, and Google has the answers. Google always has the answers. Now... Wouldn't it be amazing if we had someone who had all the answers to all the impossible questions all the time? Wouldn't that be awesome? 
In the same way, so my, my boys that I mentioned, Everett and Kingston, they are now obsessed with this TV show on Netflix. I don't know if anyone has seen this or if you've heard of Bear Girls. Has anyone heard of Bear Girls? Okay. I don't get it because I am not an outdoorsy person. I, I don't do the camping. I don't do all those things. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't get it. But they love this show. So Bear Girls is this adventurous guy. He's this he, he's extreme survivalist. He knows how to survive in any situation, under any condition. He knows how to survive. And they love watching this show because this, this particular show called You Versus Wild is a choose-your-own-adventure show. So they actually get to interact and participate with this show. So as they watch Bear Grylls go on these adventures, there's these pause moments throughout the adventure, and they are allowed to choose what Bear is going to do. So they get to choose whether Bear goes up the jagged cliff or whether Bear trudges through the marsh that you just can't see the end of. They get to decide whether Bear eats the bug or he eats the possibly poisonous plant. They get, ooh, I don't get it. Anyways, they get to choose and they love it. They love calling that shot. They love to have the answer and they love to see what Bear's going to do. Now, sometimes they make the right decision and Bear makes it all the way through his adventure safely and he survives and it's wonderful. And sometimes their choices result in Bear Girls getting airlifted to some hospital somewhere because he ate the bug he shouldn't have eaten, but they wanted to see him eat the bug because it's disgusting in their boys. Ooh. But they love it. They love this show. They love watching this show. And again, extreme situation, have to make a decision. Wouldn't it be nice if there was someone who could answer all the impossible questions all the time? It'd be really nice. In Exodus, we're talking about these midwives who were put into an impossible situation. And I can't imagine what that would be like. I, I don't even want to imagine. I would be curled up in a, in a ball in a corner, crying, catatonic, unable to think. I, I just wouldn't know what to do. I would just be frozen. I would be frozen in fear. Totally frozen in fear. And the crazy thing about this story, which I have heard and read for years, but it just never dawned on me, is that these midwives actually did technically respond in fear, but it's not what you think. Because they didn't respond in fear to Pharaoh. They didn't respond out of a fear of man. Their response and their decisions were built out of the fear of the Lord. It was all centered around the fear of the Lord. Well, what is that? The fear of the Lord. You hear that. We say that. It's in Scripture. The fear of the Lord. What does that mean? When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being terrified of God. We're not talking about this negative fear that weighs on you in, in an unhealthy way. We're talking about a fear that shows reverence for who God is. It shows an understanding of who God is. I fear God because I know who he is 
and I know who I am in relation to who he is, and his ways are higher than my ways. And, you know, we were, we were singing this morning, and there's this line in the song about um, you have no rival. And here's the thing. Those midwives, they knew that. They knew that God had no rival, not even Pharaoh himself could rival the God that they serve. There's no rival. So they could make a decision out of a fear of God because they knew who was large and in charge in that moment. Their decision was based on that. Scripture says in Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And in Psalm 111:10, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow. They fear the Lord, and out of that came an abundance of wisdom to know how to handle an absolutely impossible situation. They knew who to go to. They knew who to turn to. They knew who their foundation was. They knew who was in charge and who held the power, who truly held the power, even if it didn't seem that way. So the question is, who do we go to? Who do we go to when we are in an impossible situation or we have an impossible conversation impending or there's a situation at work that we just don't know how to handle or, you know, things at home are crazy and we just don't know what to do or there's something, you know, up with our kids and we don't know how to figure out what it is. How, who do we talk to? Who do we go to when we have these hard situations? I mean, it's Mother's Day, so the obvious answer is mom. We call mom. Um, but truthfully, who do we go to? See, the story that we just read, it doesn't end there. That's actually just where it starts. That's where it gets going. The midwives in this story, they feared the Lord, and they made a, a decision. And because of their decision, a whole bunch of Hebrew little boys were saved. Now, what you need to understand is out of that, there was one particular little boy that was saved, Miracle Baby, and his name was Moses. Probably heard of Moses, the Ten Commandments, parted the sea, led the Israelites through and out uh, from under the oppression of Egypt. That's the baby that was saved in that moment, in that time. He shouldn't have been alive. He, he should not have survived birth. He should not have been alive. And yet, God had a plan. God knew the plan. He knew the promise. He's always in charge. And he's going to get you to that plan. The cool thing about the rest of how this story goes is that Moses was born, he survived, he shouldn't have survived, but he did by the grace and wisdom of God. But then there's more to the story. So Moses' mom has this baby. It's a miracle that he's still alive. And then she manages somehow to keep this infant, this newborn, hidden 
for three months. Now, if you have had children, if you have a baby, tell me how you keep an infant hidden for three months. Impossible. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't know how this happens. I don't know how you get there. I don't know how you do this. But she managed to keep him hidden for three months. But then it came to a point where she couldn't keep him hidden anymore. He was growing too much. He was getting too big. And she came to a point where she had to make, again, an impossible decision. What do I do? How do I save my baby? What do I do? Hold on to the baby. Very likely, they're going to find him and he's not going to survive. Let go of the baby and maybe he has a chance of survival. So what does she do? She makes this basket and she and her daughter, Moses' sister Miriam, they, they take this basket and they put Moses in it and they put the basket in the Nile and they start to float it in a particular direction. Now here's the crazy thing. The king's original edict was to throw the boy babies into the Nile. So technically, she was obeying the orders, just not quite in the same way that was intended. So she puts the baby in this basket, floats it with intentional direction right towards the princess of Egypt, the king's daughter. Okay, that's a risk. Obviously, she probably knows what the edict was. She probably knows what was supposed to happen to these little boy babies. But she had compassion in her heart. She didn't have a baby. And she saw him, and she picked him up. And how many of you know when you pick up a baby, you, well, moms, not, not the guys, ladies, when you pick up a baby, there's just like your heart just kind of melts, and there's something that comes over you. And I, I bet you that is what happened in that moment. She had compassion for this baby, and she decided to keep him. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. See, the really crazy thing is that the very thing that Pharaoh feared, the fear of man, who he feared, who he feared taking over, who he feared taking control, the very thing that he feared by God's wisdom ended up somehow moving into the heart of his own home without him even realizing it. Because that's what the wisdom of God can do. That is what the grace and wisdom of God can do. So all of these ladies that we're talking about, the midwives, Moses' mom, Moses' sister played a role, and we'll talk about that. They all had this common thread, and it's the thread that ties all of us together. And that common thread was that they feared the Lord. They knew who was in charge. And that understanding is what dictated their actions. That understanding is what pushed them to make the decisions that they made that ultimately brought them to some pretty miraculous results. So let's talk about this. So mom has this baby and is in a position where she has to decide what to do. What do I do in this moment? I can either hold on to my baby or I can let go. See, some of us need to recognize that there's a time to hold on, but there's also a time to let go. 
And the wisdom of God allows us to discern that timing. When do I hold on? And when do I let go? I don't know if there's somebody in this room that's struggling with holding on to something. But the Lord is saying, okay, you've held on. Now it's time to let go. And here's why. Because when you let go, you're going to let me do what I need to do with that thing. And I'm, something better is going to come out of that situation. Something better is going to come. See, because then what happened is she let go, and her daughter, who was also someone who feared the Lord, was raised to fear the Lord, her daughter follows Moses in this basket and is watching and is waiting and is patiently observing what's happening and is watching this basket and wanting to make sure that her brother is okay and is watching the princess and who's all with her, her cohort over there, just watching what's going to happen so that for in the exact right moment, at the exact right time, she can approach with wisdom and add to this story. So what she did, she waited for exactly the right moment when this princess picked, him, picked up this baby and she realized, okay, this princess can't take care of this baby. This is not the real mom, so she can't nurse the baby. She can't feed the baby. So she says to the princess, I have an idea. Can I help you? Can I, can I find a Hebrew woman in the village to help nurse this baby and take care of this baby and, and wean this baby so that he can grow and then come back to be with you? And here's the thing. Because she said that and because she did that and because she approached it that way out of the wisdom of God, the mom who had to decipher when to let go, let go in exactly the right moment so that she could get her baby back, miraculously get her baby back so that she could raise that baby, she could snuggle with that baby, she could speak over that baby, she could pray over that baby before, in safely, before sending him back into the heart of Pharaoh's home. Imagine how much wisdom she could instill into him in that time. It's a miracle. She got him back. And the even crazier thing is she actually got paid to take her baby back. Like, when does that ever happen? She got paid to take her baby back. When God has a plan, and when we step into his wisdom, and we seek his wisdom, and we fear him, his plan is so far greater and so far higher and so, more, so much more impressive than anything we could ever do or come up with and so much more miraculous that it exceeds our expectations. She didn't expect to get that baby back, but she did because she knew when to let go and her daughter knew when to approach. Her daughter knew when to be patient and when to speak up. Wisdom says, I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to tell you when to do it. That's the wisdom of God. And then we come all the way back to these midwives who played such an integral role in this story. These ladies in this impossible situation used the simplest, craziest, most foolish-sounding response 
to Pharaoh, and it worked. See, here's the thing. Pharaoh would not have known anything to do with birth or birth practices or what happens with these Hebrew women in birth. He's a man. How would he know? At this time, they wouldn't have been present for anything. All of his advisors wouldn't have had a clue. So they used the simplest things. God uses the simplest things to confound the wise. Because he wouldn't have had a clue. And I mean, how many of you know, as soon as any woman starts talking about birth and birthing and the process, every man checks out and says, peace out, I'm gone. I don't want to talk about this. So Pharaoh is probably like, nope. Okay, you said it. I believe it. Don't need to know. Moving on. That simple wisdom saved so many babies, including potentially Moses, who became the savior of all of them. That's the wisdom of God. Wisdom says, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you when to do it. And I'm going to tell you how to say it. I talked earlier about how we have Google Home. And frustratingly enough, Everett and Kingston, our boys, have developed a dear love for Google Home in the same way that their daddy has. And it's become this routine for them, this ritual that every morning now they wake up and they ask Google questions. And their favorite question right now is, hey, Google, what's the temperature outside? Because they want to feel prepared for the day. Hey, Google, what's the temperature for today? Like clockwork, every single day, never fails. And what I love about that picture is this is that they know that Google knows their voice. They know that Google has an answer. They, knew that Go- they know that Google will answer them. And they know that they can ask Google questions that will help prepare them for the day. Guys, we have that. We have that. Let's switch it. Let's say, hey, God... God, what's the temperature of the day? What's my day going to look like? Who am I going to run into? What do I need to know? What do you want to tell me about today? What situation do you want to work through with me? Hey, God, all you got to do is ask. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, hear this, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. So it's not that Jesus just gives us the wisdom. Jesus is wisdom itself. Here at Engage, we like to say, we follow Jesus Thank you. Here's the thing. If we're going to follow Jesus one step at a time, we need to recognize what we're walking with. Because when we follow him one step at a time, that means we walk with little, literal wisdom walking with us at every step. Which is, is, this, is another way of saying 
We have the answer to everything, every situation, every conversation, every problem, everything. We have the whole answer to everything with us at all times. That's kind of mind-blowing. The problem is we don't, we don't recognize what we carry. We don't recognize what we walk with in every situation. We have the answer to everything with us in every moment if we just ask. My boys know that Google will respond. My boys know that when they speak, Google will hear them, Google will recognize their voice, and Google will respond. We have that assurance with God. God knows my voice. He hears my voice. When I ask him, I know he's going to respond. I can trust that he's going to respond. I'm going to trust that he has the answer in that moment. In every situation. He is the wisdom that we need in every situation, in every circumstance. And I felt like I, this, this morning, as I, as I close here, I felt like this morning the Lord put on my heart to say this. It's very easy for us to fall into routine of relying on our own intelligence, our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own wisdom based out of our own experience. It's very, very easy to fall back into everyday life and ride on and rely on ourselves. But the Lord would say today, you can do that, but you're limiting yourself if you do that. And here's why. Because he has more for you than you have for yourself. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything we could ask or imagine. So why wouldn't we go that route instead of just relying on our own wisdom and our own ideas. Because when we ask him, his response is gonna take us so much further than we ever thought we could go. And it's gonna open doors that we never thought would open. We just gotta ask. Simple, we just have to ask.